0: my name
1: is jane Borowski, host of invisible tears this podcast will be about my story and my words talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing i do not claim to be a therapist counselor or licensed psychologist
2: hello my name is amanda bedard and i'm the co-host producer and editor of invisible tears i'm a reiki master certified professional life coach spiritual coach wellness coach and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears.
1: Welcome to Invisible Tears. I'm Jane, co-host of Invisible Tears, and I'm here with my co-host Amanda. Hi, Amanda.
2: Hi, Jane. How's it going today? Just going great.
1: I just received a Reiki session from Amanda. Mm -hmm. I feel great. I feel alert. I feel wonderful. Awesome. I needed it. I needed it so bad. Yes. It had been a while. Yes. So we're gonna talk about. What a victim actually goes through sometimes. Right. And I know we have brought this up and we have talked about this. I was a victim of a horrific attack. Yep. Uh, most believe I was attacked by a serial killer. Mm-hmm. The Connecticut River Valley serial killer. And, of course, these cases are unsolved. Right. Now, I was attacked in 1988, so that's about 36 and a half years ago. Yep. One of the things that occurs pretty often is people contact me. Yeah. I've had a lot of people contacting me saying, you know, oh, I know who did this to you. I've been studying and doing research on the Connecticut River Valley murders for years. Um, Right. For an example, I had one lady, this was a few years back, drive six freaking hours from New York showed up at my house telling me that she had been doing research on this for about nine years Mm -hmm. and that she knew exactly who it was. Yeah, I've had a lot of emails, a couple of letters, and I've had probably 20 people come right to my house. That is just... (laughs) uh. Come right, I mean, they came right to my house to tell me that they know who the Connecticut River Valley Killer is. And I do not know these people. Right.
2: It See, that bugs me.
1: Never have I ever met these people. And they're women and they're men and it's a variety of people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've dealt with it over the years mm-hmm. and... It really doesn't bother me anymore. (laughs) And I know you're like, how could that not bother you? They come to your house. I understand. Unfortunately, I became accustomed to it and I'm used to it. Right,
2: exactly. And I think that's what it is. I personally did not realize how much this happens to you and had happened to you still until this day and even before our podcast launched. I didn't realize how common it was. The first time that you told me that a person physically showed up at your house, I was floored and I was actually scared for you. Now that you should have been scared, but let's put that into perspective, people. Think about that. Try to put yourself into Jane's shoes. Think about going through this horrific ordeal and having people that you don't know show up to your house unannounced. To speak about it. Now, I appreciate people being interested in the cases and I appreciate people digging in on their own time. And because you know what? The more eyes and the more people that are looking at this case is awesome. Maybe somebody's going to come up with something. That's not the piece that bugs me. The piece that bugs me is invading your privacy and showing up to your home. I can't tell you what my reaction would be if somebody did that with me at my home.
1: I mean, when it first started, the first few people, I was just like, how the heck did you find out where I lived? Yeah, exactly. Then after a while, it was just... um,
2: You just got used to it. Yeah. Because it kept on happening.
1: Yeah. I've never been rude to anybody. And that's one thing Mm -hmm. not one of them that ever stopped at my house can say is that I've ever been rude to them. Mm -hmm. I would stand there and I would listen to them. Wow. And... Then, obviously, I would be like, you need to take this to the authorities. Let me give you contact info. 90% of the time, they have said, I've already done that. Yep. And I'm not getting a response back. And I don't feel like they're taking my, my information seriously. People always are under the impression that if they bring the information to me, I get better results with the authorities. Right not true yes yes not true at all i could give them information exactly the same way as other people give them information and i get the same exact response right so i don't have any pull (laughs) right
2: i can see how somebody would think that you would though i mean with all of these cases being unsolved with your case being unsolved having an eyewitness you know, a person that survived. I mean, you in essence could essentially be the key to these cases, something that you remember, something that, you know, was in your evidence, something. exactly. So I can understand people thinking that. And I mean, to be honest with you, in my mind, I would think that that would be the case as well. If you speak up and you actually call up the state police or call up the cold case unit and say, hey, this piece was just brought to my attention, I would have assumed too that you would have had more pull, more say. Almost like you
1: can have them on speed dial and they'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I am not on their speed dial. <laughs> I have a hard time getting a response from them. I have a hard time getting phone calls from them if I call and leave a message. um, It's usually like the third or fourth message I leave, I get a response back. And trust me, when I get a response back, it's not what I want to hear. It's always... We can't give you that information. Mm -hmm. So I I get zero information from them. Mm -hmm. I always have gotten zero information from them and uh, to this day.
2: So that's a good piece of information for the listeners to understand too, is that if you think that in approaching or contacting Jane, you're going to get your information heard.
1: Any better format or any better way, it doesn't happen.
2: It doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. Yeah. But the whole reason why we're bringing this up is because we want to give you guys an example. Okay. We want to give you guys an example of a recent occurrence and recent communication that happened with an individual. The communication actually started in December of 2022 and uh, originally came in right through our Invisible Tears email. And we'll explain the entire situation and the communications and exactly what happened with this individual. But just so you guys can get a glimpse at the types of communications that Jane is actually dealing with, I think some of this information might shock you. And of course, we're going to talk about our different reactions because we both had very different reactions to this
1: communication as well. We did. So in December, the beginning of December, that was shortly after we launched the podcast i don't know that was a couple of months a couple of months yep um so we received through our invisible tears gmail an email from an individual which we're pretty sure it's not even his real name
2: yeah bob we'll just call him bob because it's a fake
1: name anyway yeah mm-hmm. oh, let's say bob smith yeah bob smith <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure that's not his real name Yep. so we received an email from him the very, very first email starts off with, Hello, and well done with your podcast. He's listening to our podcast. I'm really thrilled about that. I, I love know. that. I know. I'm so glad. He, and he's probably listening right now. Um, and then he goes on to say, I have some introspection after hearing your opinion facts on the cases and would like to add in to such. I have also contacted the Cold Case Unit with my opinions in hopes it aids to bring in some fresh ideas, perspectives, or at least get them to look at these cases and make more details open so others who might know come forward. I truly think there were a few killers operating at similar times in the area. So usually when I get emails... This one was very different. Yes, because usually when we get emails, we get emails from. Um, I went to school with one of the victims, mm-hmm. or I was related to one of the police officers that have investigated, mm-hmm. or I've been following your story for years, or we studied this story. You know in your school. your case in school. Yep. This yeah. one, this gentleman doesn't give me any idea on why he's even putting all this time and effort into investigating. I am guessing there is thousands of people that take time out of their lives to try to investigate and solve cold cases. I bet there's thousands just working on the Connecticut River Valley murders. Yep. I'm sure too. I have no doubt in my mind. So, this Bob is one of them. Mm-hmm. So, he sent us several emails. Several. Yep. Several. And he has done an enormous amount of research.
2: And when we say enormous, I mean an enormous amount of research to the point of I think even in one of the victims, he called out the temperature and the weather of that day. I mean, yes, just just going, just going into such specific yes. details and to put into perspective the initial communication. So Jane just read the the very first you know few sentences that he sent us. The rest of the email, you know, non double spaced or anything like that, is three pages long.
1: Yes. For example, The Weather. He wrote, The Weather on the Day. Now, this is Kathy Milligan. Because yep. he, he even breaks down these cases per victim. Yep. So he starts off with Kathy Milligan. He says, The Weather on the Day had been cloudy, cool all day. At the time Kathy got to the site, in that time of year, the sun was setting fast and to the west. And I had looked up the weather for that day, cloudy, overcast. Not a photographer's type of day to score pictures. Mm. This is how detailed he got with every single one of the victims that he researched. Mm -hmm. He goes on, he really asks a lot of questions. Like, did they have a gray car? Well, one of the things it says... um, that he highlights a little bit is if she was going to take pictures of ducks, it would have been an expensive long lens, a fast shooting lens, and an expensive camera to shoot in low light. So Mm -hmm. he's comparing the lighting to what she used for her camera that day. Right. And then secondly, if people observed her taking pictures, then those people most likely were there before her. The timing says so. Mm -hmm. Exclamation point. Right. Did they have a gray car? So he's like, everything that he says, he's also trying to back it up with, they said. Mm -hmm. I read this in this particular spot. I mean, he gets very specific, very detailed. It's wild and crazy. Then he sends us a link. Mm -hmm. A few days later that he's starting a blog and he's compounding all this information into the blog, yep. which he informs us is over 60
2: pages. Right. So when the initial email came in really, really long, really, really detailed, just so all the listeners understand and everything like that, obviously for all the invisible tier stuff for you know, our website, for our email and everything like that, myself, Jane, Andrew, all have access to I mean, obviously we share access to that because we're all part of the business. Most everything, because I'm in the email so much because of the type of work that I do all the time, I think I was the first person to see this initial email. You were. And I saw it. And I started to read it and I think I immediately reached out to Jane and said, did you see this come in? And immediately told my husband too, because as I was reading through, you know, the rest of this, you know, solid three pages when we printed it out of detail, my initial thought was I was concerned.
1: You were very concerned.
2: I was concerned. And now we we can chalk that up to a couple of things. I think I'll try and explain, you know, the reason for my concern. The amount of detail and the way that it was organized and the way that the tone of the email came in irked me. It didn't give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. And so not that I thought that this individual was, you know, the Connecticut River Valley killer or anything like that it put a very bad taste in my mouth and I got very concerned and it was funny because I remember voicing this to both Jane and Drew, and all they did was pick on me. Now, I am, I am new into <laughs> this space. Jane, I didn't know you back in 88. I haven't dealt with what you've had to deal with with communications like this. And so when we receive extensive communications like this, can't really even pinpoint it. It was just kind of like a gut thing. Yeah,
1: my reaction was, I kind of brushed it off. Mm-hmm. I did read. I always read what people send me. Okay. Oh, yeah. I did read it. I did go through it. It was kind of fascinating to me how this person that doesn't even know me or know any of the victims, I'm assuming, because he's never mentioned that he knew any of the victims. It's kind of fascinating to me on how detailed he has gotten with his research. Mm-hmm. It's very evident. He's an extremely intelligent man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was very evident. So I was kind of like nonchalant about it. I didn't think anything weird or out of the place. He did say that he was passing this information on to the authorities up at the cold case unit. Yep. Great. I love that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to send me something, please share it with them also. Mm-hmm. They need to know. Yeah, But I was just like, you know okay, I, I got an email and somebody thinks they're solving it. Yep. Um, they think they've got all this information that could possibly break the case. Mm-hmm. So I was more relaxed about getting yes. the email yep. than you were. <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw your reaction and you were giving me the impression like, why isn't she taking this more seriously? Why isn't she concerned about this? Right. Why am I concerned about this and she's not concerned about that mm-hmm. and I saw that in you yep and it made me chuckle <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I made you well I made you both laugh quite you a did. bit. <laughs> Well, and then I took a step back and I sort of started thinking to myself, okay, I'm new into this space. I'm new with communications like this. Jane is used to this.
1: True crime has not really been a huge part of your life for a long period of time. Right. So true crime is pretty new to you. Yep. I don't want to say I've dealt with it. I've experienced it. Right. For a long time. Yep. And so it's just um, another day in the office.
2: Yep. (laughs) To me. (laughs) So based off of your reaction and based off of Drew's reaction, and I think even Drew might have said something to make me feel a little bit better. Oh, well, you know, he probably has some sort of personal connection. Maybe he actually knew one of these people or something like that. And I said, well, that's a good sort of like justification. Not that somebody needs a justification to dig into cold cases. Like I said, if you're going to do that, awesome. It's just the amount of detail. And there was just something about it that just really gave me an off feeling i think i even tried to respond for you and say something <laughs> like that and he wrote back and was like i don't want to talk to you jane needs to yeah. respond to
1: jane me. needs to respond to my yeah. emails yes <laughs>
2: because you were busy and yeah. so i was like oh okay he won't talk to me he he needs you to respond too so yes Yes. The tone of that was He was very
1: adamant about me responding instead of Amanda. Yep. Um and yeah, so people know there are times when Amanda will respond to emails instead of me. Mm-hmm. I do see all of them. Yeah. But there are times that Amanda responds and there's never been a problem with that no um but he definitely had a problem with that
2: he did yes what he wrote back was um he definitely didn't appreciate me responding to his email (laughs) um and i would have thought too i mean obviously i never respond and act like i'm jane i would never do that obviously i say who i am but i would think with him listening to the podcast as well he would understand that it is a group it's not just um it's not just jane involved with the podcast so um, exactly.
0: Go to your happy price, priceline.
2: And now back to our episode. But then going back to the 60 page website that he ended up sending you. Yes.
1: He sent us a link. He said he actually bought the domain. Yep. For the Connecticut River Valley murders. And that he was doing the blog website. So he sent us the link. Um, When he first sent it to us, we went on it, I went on it, Amanda went on it, over 60 pages long. There was a lot of material to read. There was a lot of detail, a lot of material. I scanned through some of it, but then I was just like, we were just like really busy those few weeks. It Mm -hmm. was like two or three weeks. We were super busy. I was doing a ton of interviews. But I wanted to go back to it. I wanted to sit and read through it when I had a good two, three hour right. worth of spare time. Yep. I just wanted to spend that whole time going through it, reading it, so I was completely focused. I could see what he wrote. Was there any information I would add to it? Is there information that I can explain to him if he had questions about? Yep. So a few weeks later, we went back to... Go on the website, and it's gone, unfortunately.
2: Yes, the website was ConnecticutRiverValleyHomicides.blogspot.com, and now it is actually no longer there, unfortunately. Yes. There was a wealth of information. So once we got this link and we all... Started going in and because I remember I actually even gave it to drew too. I said hey in your spare time too. like look how extensive This is like remember this is from the guy where I was uncomfortable with that initial communication Mm -hmm. This is what he's put together. He's even purchased a domain. He's thrown this out on the internet
1: This was not a week's worth of research or a month or a year Mm -hmm. this is years worth of research
0: And I was very
1: impressed. I think this was the most detailed researched material I have ever seen on the Connecticut River Valley cases. He grabbed information from everywhere. And the way he categorized it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Very evident that this man was highly intelligent. Yep. I wish I had copied everything down before he took it down. But he took it down. And Bob, if you're listening i would love for you to send us the information again
0: yeah because
1: we would love to go through it he did express that all that he did send to the cold case unit so they have all the information Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and what i liked about the information that he put out there was he didn't have or form a solid opinion on suspects yep it was there's this suspect that I heard you or, or heard somebody talk about. Mm-hmm. This is the information I dug up with him. Yep. Uh, this also was another suspect, this is the information I found on him.
2: Oh yeah, there definitely wasn't any blinders or no. any sort of bias in, no, absolutely in any not. of the research that he pulled together. Yeah. Which is which is it nice. was just
1: facts and research that he dug up. I just I wish he didn't take it down. <laughs> Me too.
2: Fast forward to a conversation. Obviously, you guys know that we are connected with Crawl Space Media. Jane and myself are connected with them through the Dark Valley Project that's going to be launching here in April. But I'm also connected with Crawl Space, too, for some freelance work. Fast forward to a conversation that I was actually having with the team. I was on a Zoom with them. Chatting about things. And of course, you know, Jane, you always come up, hey, how's Jane doing? You know, uh, that sort of thing. And I don't know how we got on the subject of these communications, but we did. And I don't know, maybe you had given Jen the heads up that possibly this guy had to, because of I, the website.
1: I, I like to share a lot of information with Jen. Yep. Her project is very different than our project, yep. but it's the same subject. Yeah. So I try to share a lot of information with her, where she also shares a lot of information with us. Mm-hmm. We shared what we had. I think it was mainly for the from website. Bob. Yeah, yep. pretty much for the website. I really wanted her to check out the website because I felt that that was a lot of information for her to feed off of, too. Right. Exactly. And the emails that we got, we shared with her, and so I believe she reached out to him. Mm -hmm. And he did not want anything to do with her. Mm -hmm. It was like right after she talked to him, the website was down. He took the whole website right down. Mm -hmm. So Jen had had conversation right after that with John Philpin. Of course, everybody knows John Philpin, and we talk about him quite a bit. He was the uh, criminal profiler for the Connecticut River Valley. So Jen brought her concerns to John mm-hmm. and John was concerned.
2: Yep. Yeah. When I had that initial conversation with her and then especially when she got all the information that you had forward over to her, Jane, Jen's initial reaction was maybe it wasn't as adamant as mine was, but her initial reaction was what it yeah. was a take a step back. So they're communicating back and forth. And I could tell that she was very uneasy as well. She
1: was, about the communication. She was very uneasy. Yes. So she turned around she had a conversation with John about it. And it seems John has been in communication with this Bob Smith. Yep. Jen messaged me and informed me that this Bob Smith had been contacting John Philpin. Yeah. And John believes that that's not his real name, which... We We do not believe that that's his real name. We already knew that. I'm not going to put the name that John thinks it is. But I guess this gentleman is a retired police officer from Virginia. Mm -hmm. And John was very adamant about me ceasing all communications with him. Yep. And he wanted me to forward all my messages to the New Hampshire State Police. Mm -hmm. Then John goes on to share with Jen that this Bob was considered a real suspect in multiple Virginia murders.
2: Yes. So if it is the same individual
1: who John was thinking that it was. So they believe, I guess, several of the Colonial Parkway murders. Mm -hmm. But John said he definitely has nothing to do with the Connecticut River Valley murders. Right, right. So, I mean, honestly, I didn't, have to cease all communication. Right. Bob kind of did that on his own. Yeah, exactly. It's funny when people contact me, they're also contacting a whole slew of other people. Right. Honestly, still don't feel threatened by this guy. Yep. I don't know why.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably. I mean, I'm sure some listeners are like, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. I'd be totally, you know, threatened by this guy. I would be so scared right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of information that he sent. Yep. But after I got that email from Jen, I went through and I was reading some more of the emails because, you know, sometimes you can tell. I know I can because I've done so much research on serial killers. Yep. I went through and was reading more of the emails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this little comment that he made kind of. Got my attention. So he writes, this is just paragraphing one of the things that he wrote. Some killers are opportunist. He felt strongly that Michael Nicolau was not a planner in his opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Further, what type of killer is going to just show up to an unfamiliar location, not know other escape routes, and chance the fact that other people might show up or be meeting with the victim Mm -hmm. or end up catching him. That's a lot of risk to take to hope some lady shows up that meets your desires and criteria. This is amateur. It's a waste of the killer's time. Now, what he's talking about is um, stalking women. Yep. Stalking for a victim. Yep. So one of the things that he wrote me was very interesting to me and I reread this I don't know a couple of weeks ago and thought wow to me that's a mind of a killer Mm -hmm. he writes if you're methodical Mm -hmm. a planner and want to fulfill a sexual need you don't wait around in the cold with night falling for the right person to show up yes some killers are opportunist but not Michael Nicolau he's a planner in my opinion. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Then he further says, further, what type of killer is going to just show up to an unfamiliar location, not know other escape routes, and chance the fact that other people might show up or be meeting with the victim, or end up catching him? That's a lot of risk to take. Hope some lady shows up that meets your desires and criteria. That's an amateur, it's a waste of a killer's time.
2: That's an amateur, it's a waste of a killer's time, like at the end of,
1: Yeah. yeah. And then the way you put the odds in your favor is by planning, stalking, having an idea of the location, movements of your victim, maybe knowing your victim, averages of people showing up at a time of day. This is why I have an issue with Michael Nicolau being involved in this case and others. Mm-hmm. So obviously, when you're a serial killer, evidently you are very familiar with the place where you choose mm-hmm. to find a victim. Right. And to even sit there and figure out the averages of people showing up at a time of day. Yeah. He wrote this to us. Right. And I'm thinking, wow, that sounds like a true serial killer talking. Yeah. I mean, I'm not accusing this guy of being a serial killer yeah, by no, no means. No. But he's either, you know, I've been, I was told that he's in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's done some criminal profiling. Right. But wow. You read something like that and you think, Wow.
2: It's interesting because, I mean, as you were reading that, too, so many different like scenarios were like popping into my mind, too. Like, honestly, everything that he said was true when you think about it. Although the piece that I keep thinking in my mind is that to be able to piece that all together, I mean, I guess an ex-police officer might actually, you know, think like that and pull those facts out and everything. But now that we have the communication and sort of saying, hey, from a very trusted source, recommendation, don't communicate anymore. Just in case, you know, I think that it is this person and just so you know background of this person, this is background. So it's not the type of person you need to be communicating with. It also makes sense that why he was so adamant and communicating directly to with you, Jane.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, it's interesting now that we have that spin almost like, Once you had that point of view, I think it made you go back and look through and look at it differently.
1: Oh, I did. Mm -hmm. I did. I totally did.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode.
1: I'm still not going to take away the fact that I want to read this information. Oh, yeah. I think it's um, very interesting.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm kind of like, why would this person, if he's from Virginia, Mm -hmm. do so much Research on the Connecticut River Valley Murders. Like, I am talking an enormous amount of work. Right. That's like, I get pissed off when someone takes an hour out of my day. That was unnecessary. Mm. This man has been doing this research for years. Clearly, yeah. Clearly for years. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how many, this crossed my mind too with reading this, how many serial killers have solved other serial killer murders? That's a good point. I don't know. Has a serial killer ever solved other
2: They very well could cases? have. When you think about it, how often do private investigators or do law enforcement actually utilize incarcerated serial killers to try to get into the mind and try to get into the mindset to get clues to set them in yeah. the right direction.
1: Look how many serial killers John Philpins talked to. I was
2: just going to say Phelpsy is actually I mean, popping into my mind. Phelpsie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. He's done an enormous amount of conversation with, with serial killers. Yep.
2: I'm sorry. M. William Phelps.
1: M. William For Phelps. We call him Phelpsy. <laughs> yeah, It's an interesting viewpoint to take. Yeah. To it about. definitely is. The whole amateur thing just... Yeah. Pops in my head. It's like you're calling a serial killer that has gotten away with it mm-hmm. with thirty plus years yeah. of killing several women an amateur. Yep. This is an amateur move. I found that kind of weird. But yeah. Although I guess he was just addressing Michael Nicolau too. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we know Michael Nicolau is not the Connecticut River Valley killer. Right. You know, there's a lot of he said. She said. Mm-hmm. A lot of well, he could have done this. Well, he might have been here. You know, there's no concrete proof.
2: Right. And like we've said before too, there are certain aspects of his personality and and stuff like that too that I just don't. I just don't think actually fits. Yeah. At all major aspects of his personality too. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, this guy even said no. It's definitely not Michael Nichols. So, and he's done his research. <laughs> he has. I mean, he even went as far as to asking how tall Michael Nicolau was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea because I've never met him. Yeah. And then he done his research some more. And I guess the person that was last seen around Kathy Milligan was like 6'4". Mm-hmm. So he done his research and said, nope, that guy was 6'4". Uh, Michael Nicolau was like 5'9". Five five nine. Nine. Or whatever, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, he just done so much research.
2: So we thought you guys would enjoy that story. So this
1: type yeah. of situation. <laughs> yes, this, this is-, is some of the stuff that I deal with that... Now, I don't want to say deal with, but some of the stuff that I go through with being a victim of a serial killer that survived. And, and a lot of people don't know that these people come to me all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When they show up at my house, is it a little unsettling? Yes, I... Try not to be rude. I mean, if you were in my position and I showed up at your house, Mm -hmm. how would you feel? And before you come to my house, just think about that before you come to my house. Exactly. Put yourself in her shoes.
2: I have to be honest with you, too, that I come from a very, you know, country upbringing. I carry so if someone c- comes to my house unannounced obviously I'm a super nice person I'm I'm not threatening by any means but coming unannounced if I don't know you into my property that is my home that's my safe place that's where my family is that's where my daughter is I mean and obviously in your home Jane I mean you have yeah. you have your family there as well so just exactly. think about that from Jane's perspective and just uh
1: and please know I cannot do any more with that information than you can right you have information please bring it to the authorities Yep. you may not think that they're doing anything with it we have hopes that they are and that yep. they look at it but i can't do anything more with the information than they, than what the authorities can do with it right they can do more yep you know i'm trying to have more trust in the authorities. Mm-hmm. They've lost my trust mm-hmm. over the past few years. But I'm trying to gain it back. I'm trying to trust them more. Mm-hmm. And I really want to express, I do appreciate all the information. Of course. I do appreciate the emails. I do appreciate that people come forward with this stuff. I love the fact that there's people out there doing their own investigative work.
0: Absolutely. I think
1: it's, I think it's awesome. You email me, I will answer your questions Mm -hmm. about anything with the case that I can. If I have the answer, I will give it to you. So, yeah, go ahead and um, continue emailing me. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob, please repost. Put the website back up. Put the website back up. I know people would love to read it Mm -hmm. and to see it because there are so many people out there researching And investigating on their own the Connecticut River Valley cases. Amanda will try not to get too freaked out about some of these (laughs) emails. I will try, although I'm not
2: an investigative reporter. I am a lot of things. I do have, Jane picks on me all the time, I do have a lot of certifications, I have a lot of education, but I am not an investigative reporter, and I'm not a police officer, and I am fairly new, don't get me wrong, I've always been, you know, a true crime, you know, a fan, essentially, but. You're on the other side of the wall of that true crime. Exactly.
1: You know, now.
2: Yep. Exactly. I think also coming from the perspective of I'm excited to be involved with true crime, cold case, you know, missing people that like that, that sort of work as well, because I've always been drawn to help with that. So anytime I get any sort of gut instinct from something, I'm going to make sure and voice it. Even if you guys say I'm being paranoid, I'm going to make
1: sure and tell you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine. We'll still pick on you. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I know I've done a lot of giggling and laughing about some of this stuff. I just want to make it clear that in no way do I mean to show any disrespect towards the victims. Oh, of course not. Sometimes people misunderstand. Mm -hmm. And I just cried the other day Mm -hmm. about another victim. I do hold all these victims, all these little angels so dear to my heart. And I do not take what happened to them lightly. Mm -hmm. And I do get emotional about them. Right. But if you're listening to me laugh or giggle or anything, it's in no way am I trying to show disrespect to the families. Right. Or the victims. So I just wanted to make that clear because sometimes I just have to find a little bit of humor in things. Mm -hmm. And... I definitely found a lot of humor in this. Yep. Not that I didn't take it seriously. I definitely love the information that we did get from Bob. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to address this so people know that this is what some victims go through. Right. Um, and it's not always publicized.
2: I'm sure it's not a piece that anybody thinks of. No. People yeah. would initially think of solving the case and then like initial like wounds and recovery and And then, of course, go to like, oh, mental state, but I don't know if anybody would think of what that would do to them, to their mental state, dealing with situations like this, with all this information, you know, coming forward and repeatedly happening.
1: Like a lot. I mean, that's some of the reasons why we have our email and our website up. is mm-hmm. So that gives a place for people to go if they want to share information with us. Yep. So please continue doing that. Mm-hmm. We don't laugh at the information that we get. No. Absolutely not. We take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. We read it. So when you, you do send us information, know that. And we were also warned... <laughs> Mm Because we've had a couple of those, too. Mm -hmm. We were also warned when we started the podcast, we would have trolls. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs)
1: And we've had a couple of trolls. And, you know, that's fine. It doesn't bother us. Yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So. It happens. It happens. Hey, if they're trolls, that means they're listening to our podcast.
2: (laughs) Or maybe they're not even listening fully or understanding the premise sometimes of our podcast. Yeah. It's coming to mind as I'm thinking about some of the trolls. But, yeah. Yeah. It happens. And to be honest with you, even if somebody's trolling us on something, send you love and light. Hope you heal. Exactly. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases.
0: If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. The links for our products can be found in our show notes.
2: If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in-person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15 minute consultation booking button. If you have any questions about what might work for you, evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.